And we're going to be talking about the importance of salvation for people here and everywhere this morning. You can be seated. Please take your Bible and open it with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts chapter 1. As has been mentioned earlier, we are in our Impact Missions Conference and we have several of our missionaries and ministry partners with us this week, wrapping everything up this morning. But seated here at the front are those who've been with us this week, Stephanie, who works over at Clemson, and I know you've changed its crew. What's the name now for the ministry, the new name? Crew. It's both crew what? Crew. Huh? It's both crew and campus. Crew and campus crusade. Okay, so I'm 57 years old, so I remember the older names better than I do the new names. Campus crusade and crew. We have uh, two different uh, missionary families with us from South Asia. We also have one from Mexico, Elliot from up in Rochester, New York, the Dubnitz from Birmingham, England, and the Petros from Zambia and Africa. Would you give them a hand, thank them for being with us this week and for serving the Lord? Yeah. I want to ask you a question. How many of you grew up attending church? You, you regularly attended church as a child. Raise your hand. Wave at me. All right, stand up. If you regularly attended church, go ahead and stand up right now. Go ahead. All right. All right, now look around the room. So it's the majority. It's not everybody, uh, but it's the majority uh, of us in this room grew up attending church. All right. Now, you can go ahead and be seated. Those of you like me who did not grow up attending church, wave at us, both hands, put them up in the air. Now, look around. We have a larger percentage in this service than the earlier service, but still it's a minority, but but a good number. And thank God that uh, somebody told us about Jesus along the way, right? Those of you who grew up in church, so many privileges, so many advantages, and you, you need to thank God that you were part of a family that went to church and took you to church. That's a blessing. It's a gift from God. Be thankful for that. I wish everybody had that experience. But unfortunately, a lot of people are like me, from families that were pagan, families that were lost, didn't know Jesus, didn't go to church. And, and uh, all of you who are waving, you, you, your, your experience is sort of similar uh, to mine. And, and I got to thinking about my own life and how you know, I heard about Christ because I was, I was a sophomore in high school the first time I ever went to church. And, and I learned some things about Jesus before that uh, because, well, you know the story of my uncle who was a devout Christian in Detroit, Michigan that would visit us on vacation in Kentucky and he would always tell us about Jesus, always witness to us. He would always get up on Sunday and go to church and invite us to go with him. There was an elderly lady who came to our public schools back in the 60s when you could still do this and set up flannel boards and tell Bible stories, and I learned some about Jesus through that. I remember the Gideons coming to our school and passing out those little New Testaments, and I learned some about Jesus because of of that. And then eventually a church in a small town started to bus ministry, and on Saturdays they would come by the homes on that bus route, knock on our doors, invite us to ride that bus to Sunday school and church and talk to us about Jesus. And those are some of the ways I learned about Christ. And as I thought about it, they all have one thing in common. The one thing they had in common was they were all intentionally doing what they did so that me and others like me could have a relationship with Christ. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't by happenstance. It was a decision that church made. It was a decision my uncle made. It was a decision that lady with that ministry telling Bible stories in the schools made. It was a decision those Gideon men made to come to our schools and do that. It was all intentional. It was all intentional. 
And the truth is, if it had not been for some followers of Jesus Christ being intentional about helping people like me who were not raised in church to know about Jesus, I don't know that I would have ever known anything about Jesus. And I'm looking down here at Kenny and Christy Dubnick serving in Birmingham, England, the second largest city in England, 4 million people, and less than 1% know Jesus. So in England, Birmingham, England, 4 million people and maybe 40,000 people know Jesus Christ. Think about that. And, 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 and that 3,960,000 who don't, did you get that number? 3,960,000 out of 4 million who don't know Jesus Christ will never know about him unless some believers are intentional in sharing the gospel with them giving them an opportunity to hear like those people did for me in Kentucky all those years ago. The Petros, David and Heather serving in Zambia, a long way from here. Time you fly and ride, pushing 30 hours. And all those people in that beautiful remote part of the world, unless someone is intentional, they're not going to hear about Jesus. They're not going to hear about the gospel, about salvation. And people in Rock Hill, the Dream Center, down there on Walnut Street, Green Street, that area, South Saluda, where there's more drugs and more shootings and more crime than any other place in this city. It's not going to happen by accident. Somebody has to care enough to say, I'm going to be intentional And I'm going to do something. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to do something. This morning we're going to sign some partnerships as a church family, renewing our partnership with Elliot up in Rochester, New York, third largest city in the state of New York, over a million people, only New York City, Buffalo are larger in that state, and about 10% know Christ. So one million people in that city, about 100,000 know Christ, meaning that 900,000 do not know Jesus Christ in a personal saving relationship. We're going to renew our partnership to continue serving alongside Elliot and Discovery Church and the other believers in Rochester. We're going to sign up in a partnership and an agreement with the Dubniks in Birmingham, England, and with the Petros in Zambia and uh, in Africa this morning. And as I thought about it, I realized, you know what we're doing? We're making a choice to do exactly what Jesus told us we're supposed to do. That's what we're doing. So in, the, in your Bible, in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, look with me at one verse, verse 8. Jesus has been on this earth over three decades. He spent his three years doing public ministry, crucified, buried, and then raised from the dead, 40 days with his disciples, and now he's getting ready to ascend to heaven to return to the Father. And it's the last thing he says before going back to the Father. Think about the last things people say when they're on their deathbed and 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 the family gathers around and everybody says those tearful i love you's and thank you's or maybe somebody has to apologize because they haven't been the kind of person they needed to be and 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 whatever someone says in those circumstances is really important it's significant and and jesus is going to heaven so it's kind of a, a farewell speech if you will the last thing he says is this in verse eight you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you 
And this is God's work, and we can't do it without him. None of it is going to have eternal significance. And he says, and you shall be my, what's the word, church? My witnesses. We've been talking about that the, several, the past several weeks with this a story to tell series that the, the, salvation is, is all about the gospel. It's the story of Jesus Christ, and we have a story. Our story is part of his story, but it's our story of how he, we've encountered him and how he's transformed us, how he's forgiven us. And I, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't submitted your testimony yet via the website, do so this week. Let us help you refine the website. If you go out in the lobby, there's a big old blue wall down that direction. You'll see some finished testimonies. Thank you. We've had so many of you submit testimonies. Many are in in process of being edited and, and suggestions and conversations to help you refine it and learn how to share your story, please submit your testimony. Let us help you with that so you can be even more effective than you already are at sharing your story of salvation with people who need Christ. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. Just describe what you've seen, what you've heard. Describe what you've experienced. Talk about me, your experience with me, and how they can have an experience with me. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, that's what Jesus said we're supposed to do. That's what these agreements are all about. That's what this week is all about. That's what this focus, a story to tell with our testimonies, our stories locally, that's what that's all about. But can we be honest? We struggle. We struggle to do it. We struggle to share our story here in Rock Hill and this region. Many of us struggle to really get involved in sharing the story of Jesus Christ beyond this place. It's, it's not, it doesn't always come naturally to us. It's, it's not something we just roll out of bed and automatically do. There's a struggle, and it's not new to us. The, the early church struggled with it in ways similar to how you and I struggle with it today, but it's a struggle we've got to overcome. You see the theme up there, one life, one story, one mission. When Jesus in Acts 1.8 said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the remotest part of the earth. That's what our mission is. The, 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 the purpose of this church is that. We don't need a committee, a business meeting, nothing to decide. Jesus has already said, this is why you exist. And brothers and sisters, the purpose of the church is also your purpose as a follower of Christ. There's no, no difference. Because the church is us. We are the church. And my purpose in life, my mission in life, your purpose in life, your mission in life is to take the good news of Christ and share with people, to share the story. That's our mission. And this is the only life I have to do it. It's the only life you have to do it. There's no do-over. This is it. And it's the story. And even though the details of my story may vary some from the details of your story, all of those stories have in common Jesus Christ because they're all stories about his love and his forgiveness and his transforming power, the work he's done to make us who we are in Christ. And Jesus said, now, here's what I want you to do. Here's your mission. You take that story and you tell it. You tell it where you are, your Jerusalem, where you live, where you are right now at this moment in history. You tell it in your Judea. You spread out a little bit. Go, go to the Carolinas. Take that story and, and you take it to Samaria. You, you take it to North America. And since the Jews hated the Samaritans, you even take that story to people you don't like. You take that story to people that are different than you. You take that story to immigrants. 
Did you hear what I said? You take that story. Because that's who the Samaritans were to the Jews. You, you take that story to the remotest parts of the earth. And you know what you'll find when you go to some of those remote places? There's some great beauty in Zambia and Kenya and other places around this world I've been to. And there's some beautiful people in those places because those are places our Lord created. And if he can make this place beautiful, don't you think he can make those places beautiful? If he can make people here beautiful, don't you think he can make people in those places beautiful? If he can enable us to love people here, don't you think he can enable us to love people in those places? Jesus said, what I've got for you to do is take this story of my love and transforming power to people where you are and beyond where you are. And yet sometimes we struggle with all that. It's not new. Like I said, the early church, the first believers, first Jesus followers, many of them struggled with it. So let's take a few minutes and look at the story of the first believers in, in the book of Acts and see if it can help us with our struggles so that we can do we can be more effective at doing what Jesus told us to do. See, the, the first believers did a pretty good job sharing the story with people where they lived there in Jerusalem with people there who were similar to them. They did a pretty good job with that because you get to Acts chapter 2 and it's the day of Pentecost. Jews have traveled to Jerusalem from different parts of the, of the Middle East, if you will, because of the festival called Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes and a big crowd gathers and Peter preaches and others speak. And in chapter 2, if you want to look at it in the book of Acts, in verse 41, those who had received his word and were baptized, that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Think about that. 3,000 people saved and baptized in one day in that church in Jerusalem, doing a pretty good job there where they were, weren't they? I mean, I have no idea how long it would take us to baptize 3,000 people in one, one service. I think the most we've baptized at one time is about 30. That took a while. I can, I can just imagine 3,000. But I would love to have to take a lunch break or sub out and let somebody else finish it. I'd love to be here all day and just see that happen. Wouldn't that be fun? Don't you think that would be a blast? What's wrong with the rest of you? Don't you all think that would be fun? Don't you think? Listen, if you saw something like that happen, you'd be so pumped up. You'd be so encouraged. And I'm going to tell you something. If your Christian life is boring, it's because you're not talking to anybody about Jesus Christ. Because when you talk to people about Jesus Christ, it just enthuses you. Just a word to the wise. Word to the wise. So they're doing pretty good. But it didn't stop on that one evangelistic service. It dropped down to the end of the chapter, verse 47. They were praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. So it was an ongoing experience every week, almost every day. It seemed like people were being saved and baptized and becoming part of the family of God there in Jerusalem. Then you jump over to chapter 5. It just kept right on happening. Verse 14, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. They were the first really big huge mega church in the world there in Jerusalem. So I would say the first church, the first believers did a pretty good job where they were reaching people who were similar to them. 
But let's be honest. That's not happening in Rock Hill, South Carolina today. You take all the Bible-believing evangelical churches in this city and put them together. You take all churches of all denominations, all Christian groups, and put them together in this city right now, this morning, and the truth is in this growing city, we are losing ground every single year. With every passing year as the population here increases, the percentage of people who know Jesus are in in church goes down. And so when we talk about telling our story to our coworkers, being intentional about getting to know our neighbors, prayer walking your neighborhood, learning how to more effectively tell your story, there's a reason. One, Jesus told us to. Secondly, we're losing ground. So not doing it is obviously not working. Maybe if we tried to do what Jesus said, we'd see some different things happen. Does that make make any sense? So telling our story where we are, they they were doing a, a pretty good job with it. And I hope you'll submit your story and let us help you with it. Go to the website and do that this week. But... Jesus Jesus said they were supposed to do more than just tell the story in Jerusalem, didn't he? He said, tell the the story, be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, where you are. Judea, branch out. Samaria, branch out to those people who aren't anything like you. Remotest part of the earth, those places you've got to get on an airplane to get to. Those places far, far away, far, far off. Jesus said, you as a family, as a collective body of believers, you as an individual disciple have a responsibility for all those areas, to love the people in those places, to care about it, to be involved, to be engaged. What was the song? Do something. And yet they were struggling with that because up till now they they. They just stayed in Jerusalem. And the first time they ventured outside of Jerusalem, what's interesting is this. They didn't do it because they chose to. There's nothing intentional about it. They did it because God allowed a circumstance to develop that forced them to do it. Do you know what God did? He allowed the church to experience some persecution. In chapter 7 in Acts, Stephen is the first Christian martyr. He's standing up talking to the crowd about Jesus. They don't like what he says, and so they stone him to death. In chapter 8, a persecution begins. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. The Bible says Saul, we know him as the Apostle Paul, this is before he was converted, was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, Stephen to death. And then in the middle of verse 1, it says, On that day, the day Stephen was stoned, a great, an intense, a significant persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. And so God said, you know what? I told you to 
be my witness, tell the story, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest parts of the earth. And you're doing a really good job where you are, but not moving out. You're not, you're not concerned about those other places and other people. So God says, I'm going to bring circumstances to pass that will get you out of your shell, get you out of your comfort zone, and that will kind of push you out there to do what I told you to do where I told you to do it. And so persecution begins and they scatter. And he continued, the story continues in chapter 8. Look at verse verse, uh, 4. Therefore those who had been scattered went about doing what? Preaching the word. Telling people about Jesus. And so just as they had been talking to people in Jerusalem about Jesus, they wouldn't go anywhere else, but they did talk about him there. Once God pushed them out of their comfort zone and put them in those other places because of that persecution, they continued doing what they had done in Jerusalem. They continued talking about Jesus. And that's good. But they still didn't get it. It still wasn't really clicking with them. Because the only people they talked to in those new places about Jesus were people who were similar to them. People they related to really, really well. Look in chapter 11 at verse 19. Chapter 11, verse 19. He says, Then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, so we're talking about the same people, made their way to Phoenicia over on the coast of the Mediterranean. They, they moved west and uh, to uh, Cyprus and Cyrene and, and to Antioch. They went north up towards Syria and all of that, Lebanon and beyond. And, and they began speaking. Uh, uh, and, and they were speaking the word. They were, they were witnessing just like they had done in Jerusalem. So as they scattered, they were telling people about Jesus. But notice what it says at the end of verse 19. They were, they were speaking the word to whom? To the Jews. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. But who were the ones that, that were in the church in Jerusalem? Who were the ones that were scattered because of the persecution? They were Jews who had become believers in Jesus. We would call them today Messianic Jews. That's who the first believers were. And so they're spreading because of the persecution. And as they go to these different places, they talk to other people about Jesus, but they only talk to their kind. They only talk to other Jews. They're not, they're not connecting with, they're not talking with, they're not engaging with the people who are not like them, with the people who are different than they are, the people with different cultures and different backgrounds and maybe different languages and different thought patterns and different views on life. And they were just, just sticking to their kind, people who were similar to them. And so they were doing a lot of good stuff, but they, they weren't doing what Jesus told them to do. Yet. And then things begin to change. There's, there's a group of men in this chapter that I call the, the unnamed heroes of the early church. Jesus knows who they are. I think those in heaven know who they are. I look forward to meeting them when I get to heaven, but their names are not listed here in the book of Acts, but they're incredible men of God. Because in chapter 11, verse 20, but some... Some of those who have been persecuted and spread to these different regions talking about Jesus, some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, came to Antioch and began speaking to whom? 
the Greeks, the Gentiles, the non-Jews also preaching the Lord Jesus. And so these are the first ones that are intentionally sharing the gospel, being a witness for, telling the story of Christ to those who are not like them. Because everybody else, even as they spread, Jews only. Good, but not good enough. Suddenly, some of these men choose to intentionally tell the story to those who are Gentiles, who are not like themselves. And God blessed because in verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And suddenly, God's people are starting to get it. Not all of them, some of them. Not the majority of them, a minority of them. They're starting to get it. And if you think that you doing what Jesus said all of us are supposed to do, you doing it, even if others don't, won't make a difference. Uh, you doing it will make a difference. These men change things. Because God grew a church in Antioch, and it was the, the great church in the book of Acts. And you get over to chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. Well, the leaders of this church, and, and, and Antioch is where these men first start talking to Gentiles. So this is a church that is a mixture of Jews and Gentiles who are following Jesus Christ. Think of it as the first interracial church. Think, think of it as the first church where people of different backgrounds can get together and share the love of Christ and share the gospel of Christ. Because they were, they were birthed out of that environment. They, they were birthed out of that experience. And is it any wonder that in chapter 13, it is that church, the leaders of that church, that the Holy Spirit speaks to and says, take those two men off of your pastoral staff. Take Jimmy Burdett and Steve Polk. Take Paul and Barnabas and, 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 and let them leave and send them out as missionaries because that's what I'm calling them to do. And that church prayed over them and laid hands on them and sent them out. And the great mission movement of the church in history was started. This is the church that became intentional. The first church that was intentional about doing what Jesus said we're supposed to be doing. Because the people God used to birth that church were the first ones to be intentional about talking to anybody and everybody about Jesus. And so here's the point. It it was a struggle for the first believers to, to get out of their shell and do what Jesus said. Brothers and sisters, can we be honest? It's a struggle for us. Is, is, is it a struggle for you? <laughs> I know times it's a struggle for me. But it is a struggle we cannot lose. It is a struggle we cannot give in to. It is a struggle that despite fear and anything else, we have to overcome, we have to win, we have to do it. And when we do, God showers blessings we could never imagine. Lives are transformed. See, the, the, the biggest problem you and I face as Christians in America isn't, it, listen to me, listen to me, it is not our changing culture. The biggest struggle we face is what we see when we look in the mirror each morning. It's our own hearts. 
it's our own minds. It's our own wills. This is the reason Jesus said, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Because that's the struggle for us to just hear what he says, but then do what he says. But with the aid of the Holy Spirit and with the will to obey... We can. Because you're you're never just going to roll out of bed in the morning and naturally do all this. It always comes down to to a choice and a heart. A choice and heart. It's always it's always that. Now, as a family of faith, we're we're trying to be intentional. And we're far from perfect at it. We're trying to be intentional at doing that locally. Why, why do you think we're doing this, a story to tell focus? We're, we're losing this city. And, and as I asked you previously, when, when was the last time you shared your story of Jesus transforming power with someone in this city who doesn't know Jesus Christ? When was the last time? Grandparents, do all your grandkids know your story in Jesus Christ? Or do they just know you go to church? Big difference, huge difference, huge, huge, huge difference. Your co-workers, your neighbors. That's why we're having this Impact Missions Conference and we're going to sign these these, uh, partnerships this morning. Every Sunday when you give, you're supporting approximately 9,000 Baptist missionaries around the world and here in North America and in South Carolina and so on. But uh, today, we want to focus for a few moments on some very strategic partnerships in different parts of the world. And so I'm going to ask those we're signing the agreements with to come to the stage at this time. And Brother Jamie, if you'd come up with them. Um, I'm going to introduce them to you. And we're going to sign those partnerships agreements right now and tell you a little bit about them. Brother Elliot, Elliot Sneed, pastor at Discovery Church in Rochester, New York. Come on up, Brother Elliot. Um, as we said, you know, Rochester, third largest city, million people, maybe 100,000 follow Christ. And the cool thing is that we've been working with them. So today, this is not a new agreement. We're renewing our partnership with them. And um, I, I told the first service, they're a small church plant. They're already planting another church, and I praise God for that. And I, I want you to know, one of the reasons... Uh, Two of our partnerships are with that part of the world, New York and New England and all that area up through there and uh, in, in the U.K. and England. is because Baptist started in England and um, 1% at best of the 4 million people in Birmingham, England, know Jesus Christ, 40,000 people. That means, nine, what, what did I say? What did I go? 3,960,000 don't know Jesus. We started in London. We started in England and Five churches a week go out of business in England right now. Five churches every week shut their doors. Folks, Baptists and evangelicals in this nation's history in the Northeast, that's where it was all happening in the beginning. Now the most unchurched place there and out on the West Coast uh, in the country. And so if you want to know why my heart is drawn toward those two places, that's where... We wouldn't be what we are today without what God had done previously in those regions. And now those regions need what they did for us all those years ago. 
That's the why. That's the why. And so, brother, we're proud to do this. And I'm going to ask you to sign this agreement, and then I'll sign on behalf of our family of faith. Would you join me in affirming this relationship? Yeah, God bless you. Scott, love you, man. <laughs> you too, brother. All right, brother Jamie. All right. Kenny and Christy? No, I'm sorry. Yep, yeah, there we go. All right, Kenny and Christy from Birmingham, England. And um, I already mentioned a little bit about uh, uh, Birmingham, but I was telling them earlier, I, part of what all of these do is, is it's not just that they go and they win everybody to Jesus. They work with, the, I mean, that, that's a bad strategy. They win people and they develop the believers that are there and they work with those local believers. We, they call them partners. Just like we're partners, they have partners there, and that's, that's who they work with. And when we go over there, we work with their partners. And so uh, when we were in Birmingham back in June, we worked with Jez, and he's the church planner at Oikos Church and uh, doing a great work. And Jez and I have uh, been communicating a lot since then. And, by the way, they've got a new baby doing well, so pray for them and, and, and their, their young family. But he sent me an email Friday evening and uh, was telling me, because when we were there, uh, you know, remember all those mass communications asking y'all to pray for no rain when we were doing that big Saturday event and it still rained. Uh, well, sometimes God answers our prayers differently than he won't. He's got a reason. And, and so we moved our event to High Street, which is their big main street, and uh, met some people we may not have met otherwise. And Jez was telling me that there's a, there's a, a guy named, um, what's his name, Shane, who's been coming. We met him that Saturday. He's been coming ever since and bringing his friends to church. And, and uh, a woman named Florence, originally from Nigeria with three kids, coming, bringing her kids to church. And that's just one of, you know, it's brief, brief accounts of things that are happening. Um, and, in, and in a place where five churches are closing every week, and 40,000 out of 4 million know Jesus, you celebrate when God reaches a family. It makes a difference. And, and, and I just want you to know it, it matters that we're doing what we're doing, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do. And, and if you all would both sign there, please, this partnership with, with our IMB missionaries and our fellow believers in, um, in Birmingham, England. Ran out of ink. You join me in celebrating and affirming this commitment. God bless you, my brother. Christy, bless you, sweetie. Got it. All right, David and Heather. Let's see which one writes. That one writes. Okay. Um, in Zambia, we were there in, in toward the end of May, I guess it was. And uh, they've, they've not been there very long, but already having an impact. And I love uh, the relationships they're developing with the local believers that are there, that are there and these, these young pastors. Of course, Moyo, Moyo, who's not young, but the rest of them are relatively young. And uh, y'all heard all about that when we, we got back. Uh, I think first Sunday in June we were telling you all about that. And, uh, but you remember Moyo, my, my, the pastor that was with me, the translator, and they ride those bicycles for miles to get to where we're you know, where they preach and all that. And one of our Sunday school classes that goes to the earlier service saw that photograph. And actually what happened, I've learned more details. There was one man in that class who saw that photograph. I had a photograph up that Sunday of Moyo and and, uh, told the story about him riding, I think it was 
20-some, 40, I don't forget it, all those miles he rode. And, and he's, he's old, and uh, the pedals were off, and the, and the seat loose and all that. And, and so he, it just grabbed him, and he went to his Sunday school class. And so he and that one Sunday school class raised the money, and we were able to provide bicycles for those five pastors. And if you would, you got that microphone, Jamie? I want you to tell a little bit about that so our people can know that story. Sure. The, the pastors there ride to their churches, and we're starting new churches. Three of the pastors already have started new churches, and they ride their bicycles, and they're usually about 20 kilometers or so, somewhere around uh, 13 or 14 miles On away. dirt roads. On, on dirt, ro- yeah, very <laughs> rough uh, washboard roads. And uh, so uh, Jamie contacted me, and we talked about uh, somebody had volunteered to contribute some money to buy those guys new bicycles. And we had another team coming for missiological purposes. I couldn't present those bicycles. We had this other team present the bicycles on behalf of uh, First Baptist Rock Hill. And I invited the pastors back to our house where those bikes were out back. We had just worked in a place called Capuchila where we're starting another church. And they came to the house and this guy, Johnny, said, I want you to come back here. I have something to show you. And so we walked around the back of the house where the five bicycles were out. And those guys just, their jaws, you know, hit the floor. They couldn't believe that those bicycles were for them. And it's a big gift. Those bicycles each cost about $100 a piece. And in Zambia, the average person lives on a dollar a day. So it was like getting three months worth of of living expense uh, to those guys. It was a huge, generous gift. And so they elected one guy. We always do that. And in that culture, you elect one person to be the spokesman. And I don't remember the exact words, but uh, Chirwa, he said to me and to Johnny, he said, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to say something, uh, but I think that my words will not be finished when the sun is setting. <laughs> so he just was blown away by it, and they were very thankful. And it really is it's a gift to them personally. It's a gift to them and their ministry, and it's a gift to us, yeah. an investment in our ministry as well. So thank you for that. And I, I just wanted you to know that because it does make a difference. And if you if you ever go with us, your heart will be connected with those guys and with God's people everywhere. And so we look forward to what's going to happen in the next few years. And if you all would sign this uh, this partnership agreement, please. Thank you. And I'll sign here for our family of faith. We just thank the Lord for that. God bless you, my brother. <laughs> and um, I'm going to ask us to pray, and I'm going to do it a little differently this service. Our missionaries are here, and if y'all would come on up, I'm going to ask you to join us here at the altar. And we want to pray for these partnerships, for these ministries, and for all of our missionaries. So let's just have an altar prayer time, guys. Those of you who feel led to come, church members, come on down and gather around. We'll just kneel here at the altar and pray. And Brother Jamie's going to lead us. And uh, come on down and circle these missionaries. Let's just kneel here at the altar. Okay? Don't be bashful. Come on down. Get on our face before the Lord. And dedicate these agreements and pray for these missionaries. If you want to put your hand on the shoulder there by one of the missionaries, go ahead and do that. That's a biblical thing to do. Father, we know that it is a privilege and an honor to be, be a part of your mission, to mm-hmm. be a part of taking the name of Jesus uh, to our neighbors to our friends, to our family, but also to take it to the ends of the earth. 
Lord, we thank you that we have partners with whom we can uh, work with and whom we can have great trust as they handle the gospel uh, to places where many of us may never be able to go. Lord, we pray that you would use this weekend to strengthen those partnerships. We pray that you would use this weekend to encourage uh, these missionaries. We pray that you would use this weekend to encourage us Mm. to be more uh, intentional about being mission-minded. We pray uh, specifically for the the partnership agreements that we've signed today. Lord, we pray that uh, as we work with... uh, uh, the Petros, the Sneeds, and the Dubniks over the next two and three years, Lord, we pray that you would open doors for us to minister to the people that uh, they work with, that you would give us a chance to encourage mm-hmm. and expand the gospel in those places. Yes, Lord, Lord, we thank you for uh, the IMB missionaries, for uh, Stephanie and, and for Paul, for the work that they do. Thank you for the opportunity to partner with them, and Lord, we pray that they would continue to be light and darkness. They would continue to take the gospel uh, to places where we may never set foot, but, Lord, where the gospel needs to be uh, presented. And, Lord, we thank you again for the opportunities to partnership and to be on mission with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. If you would, I want you to... um, Look inside your bulletin. There's a commitment card that looks like this. Would everyone get that out at this time? It says impact, one life, one story, one mission at the top. If you would, get that commitment card out. And we're going to look at that in just in just a moment. Because we're asking ourselves to, to make commitments to be intentional. Intentional at doing what Jesus has told us to do. Because we know it's not going to just happen. We have to choose to make it happen. We have to choose to do it. And, and really, here's the, here's the question for us. Are, are, we going to be, are we going to be more like, are we going to be more like those unnamed heroes in the city of Antioch who chose to do it? Or will we be more like those first believers in Jerusalem that had to be you know, pushed out of their comfort zone, that God had to allow circumstances to develop to get their attention to shake them up, if you will, and push them out to start doing what he was telling them to do. Which one are we going to be? And I think it's always a better choice just to choose to obey, even if we're a little bit afraid. Do you think, do you think everybody who obeys Jesus has no fear, no, no anxiety? Faith, listen, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is obedience in the face of it. Now you'll find God helping you overcome that fear, but not until you take a step of faith. Not until you choose to do or you actually start doing. So if you're waiting for the fear to leave before you do anything Jesus tells you to do, (laughs) you're going to be waiting until we sing the song at your funeral. (laughs) Faith is doing And then God works in us by his spirit and he's given us a spirit not of timidity, not of fear, but of boldness and a sound mind. He overcomes it in us as we, by faith, obey. So what is God speaking to you about today? 
Look at this commitment card. The first commitment is to pray. And it's not there simply because we're supposed to have it there. I, I could take time this morning to tell you about little things God did in Birmingham and in Zambia when we were there. there, there we believe we're answers to prayer that we couldn't have done what we did without God doing those things, and it was all because people were praying. It matters. God, God knows what we're going to experience before we do. And prayer matters. And so take the impact booklet that you've gotten home with you. If you don't have one in the lobby, they're out there as you look outside the doors. Get one and over the months to come pray for these different ministry partners and missionaries. Pray for one of them every day. When you have your quiet time, just flip the page and pray for a different one every day for the next year. And then to go. The first one is to participate in just, just one mission project we do here locally next year. You know, many of you will do more than one, but some of you have never participated in a mission project we do locally. Just take that step of, of doing one this coming year. And just let God work in your life. And then some of you are feeling led to go on one of our mission trips working with some of our partners and and uh, you see those there in Birmingham, England, Orlando, Zambia, Jamaica, Rochester, a medical mission trip. Those are the ones that are already scheduled and 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 put a check there and it doesn't mean you will end up going but it says you sense God may be leading you, you have an interest, you want to know more about it because we can help you figure that out. And there's a meeting this afternoon at 2 o'clock for the Birmingham trip in room 210 back here in the corner. A meeting at 2.30 this afternoon in room 210 for the Zambia trip. And then at 6.30 this afternoon for the Jamaica trip down in the Apex, which is the Rock Student Center. Meetings will be scheduled for the others later, but those are set for this afternoon. Just to come an information meeting to learn more about it. And then to give. He drives a dusty, dirty, big old, rough, tough ranger on all those tough roads in Zambia. He couldn't if we didn't give. The gas that gets it out there, we didn't give. The home they live in. And so thank you for your generosity previously. Be even more generous this year. And a life commitment. Some of you, you know, we don't use the term career missionary quite like we used to, but I'm going to use it right now, okay? Because many of you know what that is. It's just a sense that God's calling you to give your life to serving in that unique way. And you may be a young person. You may still be in elementary school. That's okay. God may be planting that seed in you right now. So whatever your age, if that's happening, we want to know about it so that we can pray with you, have conversations with you, and help you through that process of discovering what God's plan for your life is. But we can't know that to help you if we don't know God's speaking to you about something like that. We, we have the missionaries here from uh, India in, in uh, South Asia because a couple out of our church, Keith and Michelle Thompson, are serving there right now as missionaries. They're new. They're in language school. We hope to help them in the days to come. Maybe you're the next Keith. You're the next Michelle. I'm going to ask the missionaries to stand all across the front. They have these baskets. And I'm going to ask you to bring your cards. 
and place them in one of these baskets. If you would, just take a moment as he plays on the piano and just fill out your card and pray and the missionaries will get in place and then just what we're going to let you bring your cards forward. Let's stand. And as Will and the others lead us in the singing, make your way to where these ministry partners are standing and place your commitment cards in these boxes. And uh, if you need to make another decision, Brother uh, Steve, if you come on out here and be available, and Jamie, in case someone is coming to join the church, or maybe you realize, you know, I'm, I'm not a Christian today. I want to become a follower of Jesus Steve and Jamie over here, wave your hand so they can know who the two pastors are. And, and come to one of these pastors and say, I want to make my spiritual decision today for Christ. And they can help you with that. So let's sing together. And you come and you bring your commitment cards around. Come on, church. Come on. Come on.